you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hannahill pumps it, goes long, and he's got Kevin Stills, who's going to take it 74 yards for the touchdown. Dalton steps up away from the pressure, and he goes deep. Green is down there. Oh, he caught it. Here's a quick toss. And he the tackle. And is in for the touchdown. There are Thursday nights where I just can't wait to talk about the football. There's too much to talk about, and we go on honking here for seven or eight minutes. I'm Greg Rosenthal with Chris Wessling. This is not one of those nights. This is not one of those nights. Bengals win 22-7. to Even Jim Nance couldn't pretend that he liked this game. Until I just heard that <laughs> highlight of the Kenny Stills touchdown bomb, the last three and a half quarters of the game made me forget that the Dolphins ever held a lead in this game. Yeah, or uh, really did anything positive offensively whatsoever. Uh, we're going to talk about this Thursday night game, and then we're going to get to the week four preview with Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler. A lot of fire on today's show. It was a good one, so uh, so stick with that. But let's start with A.J. Green because uh, he's the best player that played tonight, and it's nice to see him lighting it up on the big stage. By the end of the third quarter, he had more yards, I think 166, than the Dolphins' entire offense had. He was beating Tony Lippett, who had taken the place of Byron Maxwell, the benched Byron Maxwell, and it didn't matter who they put on A.J. Green. He was just having a field day. He was uncoverable. And I think Andy Dalton has played pretty well this year. Don't think he's the reason why they're one and two. I think you saw that tonight. He's been doing work. They're moving the ball pretty well. They did about what you would expect, but they've struggled in the red zone. They should have put this game away a lot earlier, but it ultimately didn't matter because their defense was just dominating. I mean, the, the Dolphins only had two drives out of 11 that went longer than four plays. I mean, they just could, they had five first downs, I think, for the first nine drives of the game. They were dysfunctional. It reminded me of a mirror image of the week one game except this time Kenny Stills caught his touchdown bomb, whereas the first game he missed it. But that game, by the end of the third quarter, the receivers had about 10 yards on five catches. And this game at halftime, they had three completions, and Kenny Stills accounted for all of their yards. And really on just on one play, Adam Gase, through four weeks, has made the Dolphins' offense worse. Does not I, I expect it to get better. I expect it to get more exciting. This is the second game, including that week one game, where they've been held under 225 yards, which is not something you see in the NFL too often in the year 2016. So that's half their games. They said that, and, and Ryan Tannehill said after the game, this is one of the worst performances that he thinks they've had, in, or the worst performance they've had in a long time. And he says, we're in a dark spot right now. Channeling is intercessor. They're downright dysfunctional. And some of that's on Tannehill because his shaky pocket presence came back to haunt him in a big way tonight. It's hard to separate him from the uh, ineptitude surrounding him when you see 
Carlos Dunlop just going right past Juwan James at right tackle. You see Geno Atkins pushing Jermon Bushrod and Billy Turner back into Ryan Tannehill. The Bengals' defensive line dominated that matchup, and Tannehill really couldn't get out of his own way, literally, on a couple plays. <laughs> well, that that's the thing with Tannehill. There's always reasons. It's always been a bad li- offensive line. But someday, can he overcome those reasons? I think the rest of this season for the Dolphins is in large part about Ryan Tannehill trying to prove himself to Adam Gase and to the Dolphins that he's the guy of the future. And I I don't think if things don't change, that Adam Gase will want him, that he'll want to draft a new quarterback or get a new quarterback because he doesn't want to put his whole career on this guy. We've seen him make some throws this this year. Yeah, the second half of the Patriots game. But you cannot have a quarterback who goes entire quarters and entire halves not moving the offense. You can't win that way. And and they talked a lot about, okay, he can change the plays at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be able to dissect the defenses. That's not something he's known for. So far, that's not going well. He's playing like a guy who's almost thinking too much. So this Dolphins defense hung in there, but ultimately this is a bad 1-3 and three team. I don't know if we really learn a ton about the Bengals other than they can dominate a bad opponent, and that's good. They got to 2-2. Two two. We learned a couple of things. They missed Tyler Eifert still in the red zone. I believe they got touchdowns on four of 14 trips to the red zone, which is unacceptable. And they have not thrown a pass to a tight end in the red zone this year. So they really miss him. And then the running game has been ineffective for 15 of 16 quarters this year. The opening drive against the Broncos, 65 mm, yards, that's 50 of which came on one 50-yard run by Jeremy Hill. Those two, Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Giovanni Bernard, averaging 3.4 yards per carry, which you can't win that way. No, but uh, they showed on defense that they can dominate a bad opponent, and that's important. They move forward with with a 2-2 two and two record. Uh, the Dolphins get to go home for four straight weeks. They don't go on the road till mid-November, so that's a chance for them to get healthy, but I, I don't think they will. We have a lot more high hopes about the rest of the league being more entertaining than this game, so let's get to those good games. Let's send it over to Dan. The Around the NFL Podcast. Rocks harder than Joe Philbin at a Genesis concert. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hard That's- to rock out when you're wearing courts. That is a tremendous uh, money drop. Uh, and the idea of rocking out at a Genesis concert, anyone is funny, but when it's Joe Feldman doing it, that's next level. Well, especially coming from Dan today, who's dressed like uh, like a cool dad, like a cool dad who hey, picks up his, cool. his son at the school on his motorcycle. Hey. Like, hey, let's go get some ice cream on the hog. Hop in my sidecar. Let's go. Uh, Bill yes. Collins Genesis or Peter Gabriel Genesis? I don't recognize the Peter Gabriel Genesis personally. Interesting. Oh, I go full Phil Collins. Um, this is the late Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, um, a show what you just listened to, by the way, uh, was the recap of Thursday night football, Miami at Cincinnati, and I'm sure, uh, Wes and Greg did a great job with it, breaking down the first game of week four In, in the Queen City. In the Queen City, so many Queen Cities. Uh, Charlotte, Buffalo, Cincinnati. So many. Cincinnati, one of them. So uh, a lot of games to get to today. Two teams on bye uh, in week four, uh, the New York Giants and Philadelphia Eagles. But everybody else playing, guys. And it is funny. 
week four, that is the quarter pole. Like, we're already about to hit the quarter pole of the season, which also means, and I'm almost afraid to look at them, uh, but maybe they won't be so bad. We have to reexamine our preseason power poll and then do our second round of voting. Well, we are doing that. I was told by um, my new boss, David Ely, that I will be authoring the kind of recap for that next week. How how are things going with uh, you guys, the Kissing Cousins and David Ely? Just wonderful. In my we opinion. had a big meeting with him and a few shadowy league figures yesterday morning. I thought it went well. Was it a come to Jesus meeting for Ely? No, it no, was. No. There weren't no religious figures involved. It was uh, <laughs> small matters, but he, you know, he'll drop a hammer now and then. He'll surprise you with the hammer drop. Ely has been very fair-minded all along. All right, that's great. I know you wanted more controversy there, Dan. Yeah, this is bad for the show. Yeah. Just make up <laughs> I got to talk to Ely about that. We got to <laughs> shake things up a little bit. Uh, so, yes, a lot of games to get to, and um, let's do it. In fact, I do want to say uh, before we start, I haven't done this in a while, but a lot of things clicking right now because behind the glass uh, is La Cid, who is taking, taking the chair in a more full-time capacity now that the Irishman uh, is no longer – uh, in the studio, sadly. Um, but, Sid, this has to be, you know, a little bit exciting for you. You're yeah, in the yeah. big chair now full-time. A little time. bittersweet, but yeah. I'm ready to get back in the swing, you know? You hear that voice, though? But oh, interesting yeah. that you it. said only a little bittersweet. Yeah. Like, it's mostly sweet. <laughs> like, it's a tiny little bit bitter, but you're you're partying in the streets. Maybe a little. <laughs> partying in the streets. That's heard, heard from her fellow staff back there that she's uh, she runs a tight ship and, you know, sweet on the surface, but not afraid to mix it up and give out orders and delegate. I like it. So anyway, so Sydney's back. Irish is downstairs helping out one last day before he goes on to the next step, whatever that may be. Of course, we have our, our new sponsor, uh, Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. So that's great. And a great slate of games, including our first games in the London International Series. Ooh. A lot of overseas listeners. Add it all up. And I'm going to – I'm not even going to be – I'm not going to be coy about this guy, guys. B-minus pre-show grade. <laughs> I can that help you, I think. Yeah. Got a little Mr. Flame up. I mean, you talked it up a lot, and then you ended with the B-minus. That's a good grade. That's – if you take home a report card – with B minuses on it, you're not going to get unless you're in one of those like well in your household. Yeah. I was going to say this is this explains a lot about <laughs> you know your upbringing. Oh, you and, got a 39, 39 on a state mandated health. 39 is that's where so I was good, Dan. So you guys are outing yourselves as huge nerds. It was it was bad news to bring home a B. What a horrible life you must. Yeah. Have. B minus, B minus, B minus is different than a B. Losers. It depends on the standard you have set for yourself. <laughs> if some of my other brothers came home with a B minus, it was just fine and dandy. Ooh. Wow, with a bunch of uh, geniuses in this room. I don't know how I hang every week. I, I can do. So, I have something that can bring us together. Mr. Yeah. Flame update. Got a late night email from Mr. Flame. Attached to it, uh, a gift certificate for quite a few sandwiches, I would say. Really? Wow. Yep. All right. And well, that's I, great. A man of his word. He is. All right. So thank you, Mr. Flame. Welcome to the Around the NFL family. Let's start with the previews, folks. And the first game we're going to talk about, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. At the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, a game uh, that uh, Colts team that got the big win they needed at home against the Chargers last week, and then you got the the Jaguars, who we forked in our last show. So I don't even. I guess it would it would qualify as a, a starving dog game. The Jaguars are zero and three. History tells us they're dead. That history tells us they're dead. They're a dead dog, according to you. I don't think they're necessarily dead. 
I mean, I know we stuck a fork in them, but we. Do you stuck, understand the segment we did on the last? We year? stuck a fork in three teams last year, including the entire AFC South, except for the Colts. So it you means, have to accept they're dead if you voted to fork. Yeah. It, it means nothing to you. The Talk vote about that, on you, the that, fence. You, that you issued, it Rosie. Does. It doesn't uh, because JJ Watt is not coming back this season. The Texans are a flawed team. It's a flawed division. You never know what could happen. That's all you got. You undermined our segment from the other day, and that's all you got. Let me jump in and say the Jaguars quarterback is broken. He has a long hitch in his delivery. Mm. He's playing like he did as a rookie. His footwork is a mess. He's kicking his back leg out like a baseball pitcher. It's a long windup, and this is why he's struggling. I don't think that's fixable in the near future. And I think that the other quarterback, Andrew Luck, was absolutely spectacular in his ball placement and pocket movement last week. Do you think that it's a coaching thing with Bortles? Because I almost want to go back to before his head was filled with a bunch of nonsense and he was kind of just on fire playing in preseason number one and just using his physical gifts. He seems something is not right. And I I look at the coaching staff, he's regressed. It's not just physically. His his decision-making has been bad. But this is the same problem that hounded him as a rookie. It was the the book on him coming out of school that he had to tweak his delivery. He did with Jordan Palmer before his rookie year. It regressed during his rookie year. Then he worked with Tom House to fix it last offseason. He fixed it last offseason, and now he's regressed again. But to to me, his biggest problem, and his accuracy is is a big problem, but his number one problem is reading coverages and going through his reads and defenses taking things away from him. He he had 11 passes defensed in that game. Do you know why? Wait, so it's it's not just the reads. It's because his delivery but, is so long that the cornerbacks are obviously going to get to more balls and deflect them but, when the delivery takes that long. So many of them, though, were linebackers underneath that he never saw. Well, he could have had five or six interceptions last week. And this game, I'm looking forward to this game. I know they're not two great teams right now, but luck – and Bortles, to me, are two of the biggest quarterback stories of this season. Andrew Luck's chance to reascend and show us, even though there's a bad team around him, that he's a top two or three type of quarterback. And he's had two incredible games. And then Blake Bortles, I think, having a stretch that we haven't seen him be this bad since early in his rookie year and making everyone wonder, is he the future in Jacksonville? Those are two big stories colliding in this game. Got to agree. I think it's a big deal that Miles Jack has played 16 snaps. Uh, and that's, you know, you want to see him out on the field more. But I look at Jalen Ramsey, three games this season. Jalen Ramsey, to me, is one of the most interesting players to watch on Game Pass. He is fascinating, and they found a star player, I think. I believe Pro Football Focus has him for the stingiest cornerback in terms of yards per route run this season. Every cornerback in the NFL He's the stingiest. He's physical, man. He just, like, away from the play, he'll just knock someone on the ground. Like, I kind of wanted to – I wrote an article this week about some of the worst offseason pickups, and I kind of wanted to get after the Jaguars, all their moves not working out. And then I I looked at it, and I thought about it. And you know what? Chris Ivory's not working out so far. I didn't like that late last game. They got very conservative and ran the ball early, and Ivory's not playing well. But he's only played one game. Malik Jackson's been fine. He's been fine. Vincent Amaro's been fine. They're, you know, Dante Fowler, Ramsey, they're, they're fine. It's Bortles. It's, the, it's Bortles, Robinson, Hearns. That's what's killing Their defense the was not the big problem in the Ravens game. So whose fault is this that Bortles in year, what is it, three, yeah. is regressing at this level again? And what about the head coach who's got a 235 winning percentage in the league? There's got to be changes coming if this is what the season's going to be coming. Well, the defense hasn't been great either, and that's Gus Bradley's job. But I don't know that I can blame coaches for a mechanical issue. That's something that usually gets fixed in an offseason, not during a season. One last note on this game. The Colts 
Uh, obviously, this game is being played in London. They are the first team ever in the international series to not have a bye the next week. That seems like kind of a tough turnaround. I think they chose it. They hmm. did. I think they, they didn't want the bye, and so they requested not to have it. They wanted one later in the season. Uh, let's move on, gentlemen, and talk about uh, some more AFC South action. The Tennessee Titans, a former team of ATL nominee, travel to Houston to face the Texans. And, Greg, as you said, um, J.J. Watt is not going to be around in this game. He's not going to be around perhaps for the entire uh, duration of the season. Sounds like it. After his back injury uh, returned and the team obviously is going to probably be really safe considering how uh, scary back injuries can be. The Houston Texans, what are they going to do now without their man? Well, they have a, high, a lower ceiling and they are going to rely on their defense to be a top 10 defense without J.J. Watt. Is that possible? I think it is. Uh, they have been so far this season. They really haven't had J.J. Watt. You know, they didn't play well against the Patriots overall. But you have Jadevian Clowney. You have John Simon playing well. You have Merciless. You have a good secondary. But I think with Brock Osweiler and the offense that they had, the last-ranked offense in the NFL, by the way, according to Football Outsiders metrics, three touchdown drives so far this season. They needed that defense to be dominant, to have a chance to be a real contender. And I think without Watt, they don't have that chance. I agree. I don't think they're in the Patriots League or the Broncos League, but they can still be the, the class of the AFC South. It's, this defense is still easily the best defense in the division. Yeah, I mean, it, the biggest thing that happened for the Texans was, oh, suddenly we're going to get put into an AFC South, according to the offseason hype, where everyone's competitive. You've got four young quarterbacks devastating each other week after week, but it's not panned out. The Titans and the Jaguars are still bottom feeding at this point for the most part. And the Texans are dealing with a Colts team that's very beatable. I mean, the Texans can do what they did last year, go 9-7 and seven and win the division. Sure, that, and that, that's true, and that's all on paper, and I agree with it. And yet the Titans, you know, they're one couple lucky bounces away here from tying the Texans up at 2-2 two and two if they can win this game. The Titans are among the most disappointing teams in the league so far, though. I mean, Mariota's another one of those big quarterback stories. I, I never would have expected that so far I would say Mariota and Bortles are two of the worst four quarterbacks in the league. Only through three games, but I would say that those two, Gabbert and Keenum, are probably the guys I mean, Did that the Titans' offense get figured out in two quarters and everyone's got the book on them at this point? On the, on the other side, I want to say Brock Osweiler needs to have a, a bounce-back game because that wasn't all his fault what happened in New England. That was kind of a complete team breakdown in, in the fact that they were not competitive. Uh, but their offense was just depressingly uh, bad. They couldn't even, like, sniff the red zone. So what, if I want to see a guy, again, they paid him a lot of money uh, not to be a game manager, but a guy that made that offense explosive. Their offense is going to have to be much better now because J.J. Watt can't carry the team like he's done in the past. What are you seeing on tape, Greg? They need some more underneath throws. That That's one thing. They don't have any intermediate game. Everything's just throw it deep. You know, Lamar Miller, they could use a little more out of him. I mean, it's probably the offensive line, but the offensive line's the run game's bad. The running game's not really much better with Lamar Miller. I mean, he's getting the ball a lot, but they're not a good running game. They're not opening holes for Lamar Miller. Yeah. The offensive line hasn't played well. Let's move on, gentlemen, and talk about the Cleveland Browns and the Washington Redskins. Redskins got that much-needed win at the Meadowlands in week three to get uh, get in the win column. The Browns, of course, have yet to win a game. They will again uh, start Cody Kessler at quarterback and a Redskins team that you would think is in good position to move to 500, but Mark Sessler not only 
Do you think that the Redskins are going to struggle? You think the Browns are getting in the win column, don't you? Woo! It's my lock of the week. Your lock of the week? Lock it up. I'm, I'm going, wow. I'm going way out there because I already put it out on Twitter. I'm getting killed by oh, citizens from the nation's capital. I don't care. Block I really him. think that there's a chance for this. I see one thing that could completely dissolve my lock of the Wait, week, though. Wait, not a chance, Mark. You said it's a lock. Well, I mean, it's happening. A lock coming from me is one and one, so it's a coin flip at this point going into the season. We're all one and one, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think though, watching the Redskins, there's a lot of things they don't do well. But you look at Cleveland. There's a chance Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden is not healthy again, and we don't know what his availability will be, how much he'll play. You look at Deshaun Jackson and Jamison Crowder and what they can do in that offense, that passing game. They could carve Cleveland secondary right up, and that could be, you know. You, the game could get out of control real quick. On the flip side, though, watching what New York did to the Redskins, I think that, you know, in way, the way that Cleveland, that you got Cody Kessler, who is a very limited skill set, but he completed passes, some mid, mid-range passes last week. You can get real estate on this Redskins defense. You can also run on them. So I, I do see a game where Cleveland's going to have a chance to stick around, and we'll see what happens. Turnovers could decide. The Browns had 430 yards of total offense. In week three, put twenty Impressive. put twenty four points on the board. Terrell Pryor, and who we talked about earlier this week, is a guy that Hugh Jackson obviously is doing a very nice job of using him in a lot of different ways, keeping that offense unpredictable. So you're, I'm thinking, Mark, for you to lock this up. You like that they're playing hard. You've talked about that, and you think that their offense can do things against the middling Washington defense. I think you're going to. That's need, how you win the game. You're going to need to coax Kirk Cousins into some Kirk Cousiny type mistakes. I'm not. Listen, I understand when I say this. I'm not saying that logically Cleveland is going to go in and take down the Redskins. Yeah. I'm just swinging for the fences. I I know you were really impressed with the Browns' effort last week. I saw a lot of missed tackles. Well, they have that. I mean, they're they got players that weren't in the league last year. They, you know, I, that's going to happen, but. Wh- I don't know if the Browns can hang with the Redskins' firepower. The Redskins are one of only two teams to have 375 yards in every game so far. And when you watch Kirk Cousins play... A lot of those are junk play, yards, though, especially the first two. They're moving the offense. And when you watch Kirk Cousins play, he's protected. He's got time to sit back and pick defenses apart. And Cleveland does not... They don't right. have Carl Nassib. They don't have a vaunted they pass rush. They don't have a pass rush. The defense is a concern. But this is a vulnerable Redskins team that was lucky to win against the Giants. It really took turnovers in that game. They, they've been bad in the red zone. Their offensive line is, is shaken up enough that they might play Trent Williams, who's an all-pro, at left guard. They're missing at least two of their starters in their secondary with uh, Brashad Breland's expected to miss this game. D'Angelo Hill, Hall's out for the year. It's a it's a banged up Redskins team too. And I watched this Browns team, and I, you know all this Mark Sessler optimism. I think there's reason for it. That was the most fun Browns game I've watched in years. It was years. fun to watch. And Cody Kessler deserves some credit. He played well. And if the Patriots pulled off that performance with a rookie quarterback, people would be you know having a parade for the coaching job. Hugh Jackson did an incredible coaching job playing to you know his limitations, Kessler, and he didn't make mistakes. And there was a couple times where I thought he made some smart decisions. He's not a big arm. I mean, the one issue is you're not going to be able to surprise them with the two-quarterback situation this week. Now it's out there and you and know. And give the ball to Duke Johnson some more. He did it when he went to his home in Miami, and look at what he performed. They've got some interesting weapons. I think Terrell Pryor is a guy now you have to start counting on him as a nucleus player. Yeah. He, he, he said he's one of the best athletes he believes he's the best athlete on the field each week. And then watching him last week, it's like, he was. I believed it. This, I know, I know we want to move on, but this is a guy we mocked for how much we used to write about. He was kind of a, <laughs> a punchline. Even as recently as three weeks ago, we said all he could do was go deep. This guy's one of the most exciting players in the league right now.
give Hugh Jackson the credit. He had him in Cincinnati and brought him with him to Cleveland. Moving on. Are you in debt? What is this? Is your lack of green making you see red? Well, we have just the solution. Mr. Flames economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. Flames offers a comprehensive look at economics in a way that's easy to understand and impossible not to love. Make economics economical. Enroll at flameclass.com today. Moving on. Wait, is this a high school class and he's recruiting people? I don't know. Why not? Move to the <laughs> they Hague? They have to move to the Hague. I'm not sure if ma- you do make economics economical makes sense either. I like but it. I you like just it. need like a catch. Yeah. Listen, you come to us. We've been saying this forever. You come to us as a, and you sponsor us. We'll take care of you. Oh, yeah. That's what's happening. Just right ask now. Joey Watts. The guy's sitting on a pile <laughs> of $100 bills. Hey, oh, Joey Watts. Joey Watts. Moving on. The Seattle Seahawks, a 2-1 and one football team, travel to the Meadowlands to face the New York Jets. Uh, interesting game here. The Jets obviously uh, got embarrassed in Kansas City in week three. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Fitzpocalypse, six interception game and a 24-3 loss. Now they limp home at 1-2, and two, needing this win, win badly. But you know who else is limping, gentlemen? Russell Wilson, who suffered uh, a knee injury in week three. It looks like all indications are he's going to play. He's practicing. We're hearing all the things you you would expect to hear out of Seattle. But you have to wonder uh, what kind of Russell Wilson we're going to see here. And you also have to wonder how he will fare. And I'm taking nothing away from Russell Wilson, who's a tremendous quarterback. But a guy uh, uh, on bad legs against a Jets defensive line playing at home with a bad taste in their mouth after a terrible loss in week three in a Jets team that needs the game. And you hear it in my voice, just like Mark's optimistic about his Starcross franchise, I too am optimistic. How optimistic? I'm making the New York Jets my lock of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible news for Cleveland and New York. And uh, some people was like, oh, Dan, you made Cincinnati your lock of the week. And then I rethought it after the show. I said, that's kind of cheating. Cincinnati is a much better team than Miami. Let's let's be a little. They're heavy favorites. Let's lock it up. Let's lock it up. Petition to change the name of this lock it up segment to Wishcast of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well have it. Since we don't know what's going to happen, you might as well have it. That's fair, Wes. I will throw it out to you. The way I explained it in my mindset, and also under the impression that I don't think the Jets are bad despite being one and two and looking really bad last week, that's not a, a crazy thought that they could win at home. They're I would just say team. that I don't think there's a coincidence that the locks of the week so far have been the Browns and the Jets. What? Well, We're fans. Know, what, what do you want from us? You know, here's what I, it is. Also, it goes against the nature of lock, though. That's fair, but Wes, it's, it's also it's the well, last couple of days. If this doesn't happen, if the Jets and Browns go down in two giant house fires, <laughs> you're not going to get any more Browns and Jets locks of the week. This is the this is well, it. right. it's the end of exactly. September. Oh, Hope is, begins to fade. This is such a tough game to predict, though. To me. The, the Jets from the first three weeks were so impressive. I, I mean, the first two weeks. I'm almost willing to throw away that Fitzpocalypse game as just a strange, strange game. But this is the ultimate test for any offense because I love the way the Seahawks defense is playing. I think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. This is the game more than any other that I just throw my hands up, and that's why I'm making it my unlock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most right. Greg thing ever. Hey, can I just say, since you brought up throw out the game, you know, a little team up, up the old uh, coastline in the United States that a couple of years ago had a game that you just threw out. It happened to happen in Kansas City on the road. 
those New England Patriots. And what happened to the Pats in 2014? They went all the way after their uh, apocalypse scenario in Kansas City. Get excited, Jets. So on to Florham Park, the Jets are saying. Wow. Florham Park. I like that. This is a good matchup because I think what Seattle's doing best right now is opening holes for Christian Michael, letting him run through it. And the Jets' defense, the run defense is a strength there. So I think that's uh, that probably advantage Jets on that one, I would think. Wow. Considering the Seahawks' offensive line troubles. That's true. And I never want to talk about the Ryan Fitzpatrick six-interception game again, but I will say this. One other aspect, Marcus Peters and a, a good Kansas City defense at home. Eric Decker hurt his shoulder again in that game. Brandon Marshall wasn't close to 100%. They were kind of behind the eight ball without Decker a lot of not, people knowing. Decker might not play this week, That's though. a big, and big Marshall yeah. still, I don't know. Marshall. I don't you get know a nice, soft yet. matchup against uh, Seattle's, you know, kind of wayward secondary. <laughs> Every time you look up, Seattle has a new defensive star. Frank Clark is playing lights out. You just yeah. made that Sean, name up. Frank Clark, second-round really draft good. pick from last year. Deshaun Shedd is turning into a top cornerback. This defense is, once Cam- again, I think as Cam good as any looks better this year than he did a year. And, and we talk about you, you're Gus Bradley. You left that system. You should know how that system operates. You go to another team, and t- players are not developing across on both sides of the ball. In Seattle, it's one gem, one unearthed guy after the next. Am I on an island, by the way, with the Jets here? It's okay if I am. I think it's a coin flip game. No, I – I don't know. It's so big that it's in New York. That's why it's my unlock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now it makes sense. Uh, moving on. A uh, team that had its back against the wall in week three were the Buffalo Bills. They got the big win at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And now they got an even bigger task because now they got to go up to New England to face the New England Patriots, who are 3 and I don't know if anyone has been talking about this, with their um, assortment of quarterbacks not named Tom Brady, uh, all indications, Greg, that Jimmy Garoppolo is starting? It's up in the air. It's mm. the Patriots. I would guess that, but they were waiting to see how he responded after increasing his work at practice Wednesday. There were some mixed reports on how that went. And Rex Rex Ryan is having his fun with this week, but then you just have to look at history, and this doesn't matter, but I just want to point out that the Patriots have won 23 of the last 25 games against the Bills by an average score of 31-16. So no team owns the Bills like the Pats, and now they get them at home. And here comes Rex Ryan with his weirdo Bill Belichick obsession. <laughs> Why does this happen every it's time? Every year. It's I, so weird. Can I I will throw some, as a certified Rexpert. I think he might realize he might not have too many of these left. It could be the last time he ever gets to be a contemporary with Belichick talking about uh, – P- He's Patriots not a contemporary. Week. Well, they're coaching together at the same time. Okay. No, no matter who, no matter who plays quarterback for the Patriots, this is a Legary Blunt game. The Patriots are the only team in the NFL with more than one 100-yard rusher this season. Legary Blunt's leading the NFL in rushing. That's and, wild. <laughs> and I think he's going to get 20 carries again in this game. Joe Thune's been a great draft pick for them. Yes, guard. he's been great. Uh, Nate Solder's return healthy. Looking good the last couple weeks has been under the radar. They're getting big-time contributions from their offseason pickups like Chris Long and Chris Chris Hogan Hogan and Martellus Bennett. You hopefully get Gronk back looking like Gronk this week. There's a lot of things that are trending pretty well for the Patriots. Are you worried? You know, Greg, as a Patriots fan, does this game concern you more or less than any other game the Patriots have? Well, I don't say uh, that. Well, sa- that the- sounded very pat, but I would say this: that <laughs> no you know, pun intended. In theory, like 
the Bills, Rex Ryan are all fired up. This is kind of the last stand here before you know the whole the whole thing burns down in Buffalo potentially. You're concerned? <laughs> no, because it's re- the question. <laughs> relatively, no, because Sammy Watkins is looking unlikely to play this week. He's, he seems like I he's think this toward Patriots the defense has a chance to be really good. And this they is have not, been so far. This is an offense that you should be able to contain. Here, it's limited. Here's the case for the Bills hanging in this game. Wes, I know you said it was more a breakdown of the Cardinals, but I'm going to give Bills credit for uh, taking care of business in week three. So they're coming off a game where they kick some ass. They got a little bit of a swagger off that, I think. And the Rex Ryan defense, which is playing well with a lot of no names, uh, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo at less than 100% or even Jake Brisket at less, uh, at less than 100%. They struggle against the Rex defense. I will say, I mean, yeah, that's true. tell me if anyone saw something different, but the Bills, and I, I get the Cardinals, you know, traveling to the East Coast, not a prime situation for them. They got beaten up on both. Buffalo beat them up on both sides of the ball. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. So can that translate? That's the question. If if Jacoby Brissett is starting and it's it's not Garoppolo, that's a huge difference. I don't want I I don't buy the notions. Well, you know, either one, you got to be ready for. It, there's a big difference. Tell the Texans that. Well, there's a huge difference. Well, he didn't a huge difference. play that Garoppolo's well. Garoppolo's. He's a very limited player. He was a lot more limited for that game, I guess you could say, than Cody Kessler was for the Browns, for instance. You got to win with defense, and and the Texans played into their hands. Garoppolo's week two game was one of the best games I've seen by a quarterback this year. Uh, moving on, gentlemen, uh, let's move over to the NFC uh, where the Carolina Panthers are traveling to Atlanta and uh, some things that should surprise you. Uh, again, we know nothing a month after the season begins. Uh, you would never predict this. One team is 2-1, and one, one team is 1-2. and two. It's the Falcons that have the winning record. Uh, the team with the number one offense in the league in this game is also the Falcons. Wow. Uh, so you put those things together. The, the, the Carolina Panthers, if they have any designs – on um, you know having a home game uh, in the playoffs, if they have any designs on having a bye, uh, they have to start winning football games. And the Falcons uh, are not going to be such a big pushover, uh, Mark. No, I think we. I think this is the best offense. Not yet, I get it's the number one offense in the NFL. That in early season that can go that can be read wrong a lot of yeah, ways. Been easy, right? But this is the best offense that um, that Carolina's faced this season, I think, and it's it's in, it's on that turf in Atlanta. And you know, I think the Panthers. Here's the problem for Atlanta. The Panthers have to be very irritated after what happened last week. This is a team with a lot of pride. And you have Kelvin Benjamin that was held catchless and also prevented a touchdown with a big penalty last week as well. So I think the Panthers are going to try to get Kelvin Benjamin back involved in this game. There's not a lot of pass rush coming from Atlanta. Cam Newton should be mostly able to roam and, and, and pass the ball untouched. I think this mat- this could be a big shootout is what, could, what it could be. Well, you, we've seen the Panthers' losses were against the Vikings and Broncos, who may have the two most athletic, pressuring front sevens in the NFL. And now you go against the Falcons, who have the worst pass rush in the NFL perennially. But this is a, a Panthers offense that misses Jonathan Stewart when it's not out there, that is waiting for Devin Funches to matter at all. Uh, you know, it's a it, – I wouldn't say it's a limited offense because it's got Cam Newton and it's probably the toughest run game in the league to prepare for. But if you're just if you just have to take away Benjamin and Newton, Greg Olson. I, I like Whitaker more. I like Fozzie Whitaker more than you do. I guess I thought he's been a he's good, a change of pace guy though. You don't want him running I mean, between they, the tackles. No, they start, he's they, stepped in and done a good he's job. Been fine. Him. They started Cameron Artist Payne last week. He got more of the artist game. painter. Artist painter. He's fine. <laughs> This isn't a gimme game, though. This is a division game. The Falcons, you know, in case we forget, 
Forget about getting over last week. How about getting over last season? They ended the, the Panthers' season in this exact game, in this exact same stadium. Well, they didn't end their season. Well, end their undefeated season, I mean, there you go. rather. Uh, missing a key word there. <laughs> Would have been weird if their season just ended there in week 15. Would have been fine. Same. 14-1, and one, been nice, guys. We're going to have the playoffs without you. That's, uh, see you next year. Yeah, that's college football, by the way. You're exactly right. Smell you later. By the way, we've, gotten, we've all gotten so uh, used to how good Luke Keekley is that it's almost you just expect it. But how hot he at, is too. At this point, he <clears throat> he could be in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year for through three weeks. He well, it's wide open, un- unbelievable through three weeks. Wes is right, wide anybody's, open. It's anybody's award. This what year. about Von Miller, please? Von Miller would have to be the favorite so far. What about Sid? You have some sandwiches. Uh, involved with a pass rusher in Detroit, don't you? I do, and he's very much on the bench with an injury right now. Yeah, he hasn't played. <laughs> but since like, what a one. year! Because JJ Watts also hurt, so it would have been it well, would have been the year. Hey, to do listen, it. he can get back on the field and get hot. Don't give up yet. But My I also would start saving up some money. It <laughs> was a good sandwich bet at the time. It's crumbled very badly yeah, for proposition. you. Proposition. So. I'm gonna say like him. He's, he's ex- Ziggy Ansa. We're talking about he's expected to miss another game. You know, no sacks through four weeks of the season. You're you're in trouble here. You're hurt. You're definitely hurting. It's almost right. like he's Khalil Mack. <laughs> Where? Yeah, what's going on with Khalil? Oh, it's Just, the whole defense. Come on. But isn't he a superstar? Well. Well, let's talk about him right now because <laughs> the Oakland Raiders at 2-1, and one, yes, one of the remaining uh, team of around the NFL finalists. Team of they now travel to Baltimore. I love this. I, this is what I want. I need a little more internal support, of course, I have my girl, Lil Deb, uh, up north supporting the Raiders as the team of ATL. She reps Oakland, Oaktown. That's how they say it up there. They never said that. Okay. Uh, but now they go on the road to play Baltimore 3-0. and Not a dominant Ravens team, obviously, but I love it. I like the idea of the Raiders cementing themselves as a real team to take seriously in the team of ATL by knocking off an undefeated team in their house. Am I crazy, Mark, to think that the Raiders can move on to 3-1 and one here? Not at all. Why would that be crazy? Teams beat teams all the time on Sundays. <laughs> End of my analysis. <laughs> Anybody else? I've, I've enjoyed watching this Raiders team. When I, when I went back and watched that Titans game, I, I started thinking, you know, the Raiders aren't such a crazy idea. I mean, if we could get Little Debbie to drop some hot bars – you know, you said on, that the, on the Raiders, I'm saying I'm with it. I like this. <laughs> I like this uh, backfield. I like DeAndre Washington. I they have like, a nice three headed back. I like Richard. I mean, come on. Derek Carr has looked. You talk about Blake Bortles regressing. Derek Carr is starting to do all these things where all these heady comparisons they're throwing at young quarterbacks. Some of them are starting to make sense with Derek Carr, especially with the footwork, which you pointed out on Sunday night. Watch that game. It's hard to sack. The exact play that you pointed out is a fascinating play by Derek Carr. They so elusive. Guys. Yeah. So elusive. And then you've got a Ravens defense that has been pretty good at pressuring quarterbacks, at least manu- manufacturing pressure. And Timmy Jernigan is having a, a breakout season on their defensive line. Yeah, he, he looks good. And Connor Orr's brother, Zach. Zach Orr. Zach yeah. Orr. Not I'm brothers, Orr. actually, Greg. I still think he's an upgrade on Daryl Smith at that spot. He's they, they, <laughs> an upgrade on Connor Orr. Nobody's Connor an upgrade on Connor no, Orr. I mean, yeah. Zach is definitely the second least athletic guy in the family. Connor's taking that. Can Zach write <laughs> blog posts at 4 a.m. on the West Coast? No. Maybe. You, Give no, him a shot. I'm going to go no, hard no. The what, you mentioned Carr. The one thing with him, you kind of know what you're getting each week now. I mean, he's steady. 
He's not to me the the most exciting guy to watch, but he's very consistent. He's what you want out of a court. Well, well and Michael Crabtree is balling out too. I mean, it's not it's not the Michael Crabtree getting back into health. We saw it some last year, but he looked good to me last week. This is what you, all you need to know. You, you don't have to go crazy about Derek Carr as being one of the the best young quarterbacks in the league. But Oakland has the number two offense in the league right now, four hundred thirty six yards a game. Now they have the number thirty two defense. That's the biggest problem. They need to get better on that side, and that's when our boy Khalil Mack who was getting all the accolades last year as a guy that not only was another swing and hit for Reggie McKenzie, had become an actual superstar, maybe should win some games like Von Miller does. Well, you have to remember, half of his sacks came in one game last year. I mean, it's a breakout season, and and everybody acted like he was one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He gets pressures. He's great in the run game. But he's only getting sacks in about, what, one-third or one-fourth of his games? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I th- a little misleading the numbers last year. You say I think they were a little misleading. Well, he had he was zero pass rush as a rookie, but he, so it wasn't it wasn't. But no he, change. He's, he's a, a great that, player. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, he's a guy that gets pressure. It's not a crazy thing for a guy like him to go three games without a sack. Now, if it continued all season, yeah, that that's more of a concern. Steve, guys- Steve Smith, by the way, I know he's still not running deep routes, but it looks oh, way yeah, better yeah. than we had any right to expect. Fast. At that age, coming off of that injury, he looks good. He looks good. They're getting par- – it's now a four-headed receiver group. Rashad Perriman's intriguing. Perriman's in the – Dennis Pitta. Uh, it's, they're, they're a little more juicy to watch. The I'm- ball comes out so clean in Flacco's hands when you're watching him versus Bortles, Bortles last week. Flacco was putting on a clinic. Speaking of guys that have no business being productive – Dennis Pitta, talk about right. writing stories you thought for no reason, like 17 He's major hit He's the center injuries. of their offense. Right, and they, like the quarterbacks in this game, you mentioned it, Flacco uh, and Cart, they're really good, I think, at knowing the moment, when to go for certain plays, when not to, game management. Those are the things that Bortles and Mariota, for instance, have been struggling this year, like mental errors. Like these guys know how to manage the game. Who do you got in this game, guys? I, I think the Ravens go to 4-0. and I think this Ravens team is good. Taking the Ravens. I trust their coaches and their veterans. I think this Raiders team has a little bit of something spicy going on. I, if they win this, I would consider them because no one seems to want to consider the Vikings. I would consider you what? guys That's, taking the Raiders as team of don't ACL. Get, no one. Don't take that in a different place. I will <laughs> okay, con- over there. Say, don't, <laughs> I will consider don't worry you about guys. That. Everyone has an open mind about the Vikings. I think the I'm Raiders, the the, the, the Raiders are an intriguing team. They're going to win this week. I think they're going to win too. But if the Ravens went to 4-0, Maron. We, everyone counted them out, and they're going to be undefeated at the quarter pole if they pull this one out. Interesting. Moving on. Are you sick of sitting around while your friends get rich quick? Here's the solution. Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Under, t- under the tutelage of the all-knowing Mr. Flame, you too can become knowledgeable on the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth. Enroll at flameclass.com today. It's just Netherlands. You don't need the... The Hague, comma, Netherlands. That's not how I've read it. Oh, okay. On Wikipedia. <laughs> All right. There's another the in there. You don't need the definite article. Did you take any um, economics classes in college? Did I? No, you could say. I certainly I did. did. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. Is that why we're all renters in this room? <laughs> oh, I'm, I didn't take any economics classes, and you can tell. C plus that crossed over to a low, low B with a, a moderately successful final exam, if I recall. <laughs> If we had taken economics classes in school, we'd have had a sponsor long before now. <laughs> I, I had an uncle, my old uncle Bill. He wants to sponsor us? He he would always – we have a sponsor. We're good. He would always tell me whenever he would see me at like a church function or at a family party, got to get involved in economics. That's the stuff to study. Plastics. That's what you want to study. Get involved in the money side. 
I just didn't listen to him. Good parental advice, but except it's boring. Yeah. Exactly. Um, moving. What? God, he God. went to the toy department. Yeah. I mean, economics 31 and a state mandated math test. It didn't really. It's 30, 39. It didn't all add up. Don't 39. take away don't, eight of his yeah, points. Don't, you know, don't comprehension sell Dan down. short. Yeah. Thank you. Don't all sell right. Dan's awful math skills short, please, Greg. Uh, moving on. You guys are very uppity about grades today, by the way. What do you mean uppity? uppity. Well, well, uppity we, I think we drew, we drew a line in the sand. Why are you We're grades? not going to accept. Oh, B minus. What a great job. Pat on the back. Yeah. Let's go out to Carvel ice cream. I don't think so. Why are you brain shaming us? No, I'm just saying. You guys are a little, you know. Dan Hans is anti-intellectual. Sounds like something Donald Trump would do. A little square. Resorting to brain shaming. That's all. Sorry that we achieved as youths. (laughs) Did you go? Did you? It's questionable. I'm not not claiming that I did. (laughs) All right, moving on. The Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears squaring off at Soldier Field. Uh, Lions have won six straight games against the Bears, uh, and they're trying to make it seven. The Bears have not started a season 0-4 since 2000. Uh, But... It's coming. Chris Wesley. <laughs> this Bears team doesn't look like a team that's uh, about to win anytime soon. No, it doesn't. And the Lions, on the other hand, are the other team, besides the Redskins, that has had 375 yards in every game so far. Hmm. This game features the battle of no rushing attacks. Ooh, fun. It's also the battle of two rookie runners thrust into the starting lineup. Jordan Howard for the Bears, who looks pretty intriguing. A big guy who can catch the ball, run between the tackles. And... Dwayne Washington for the Lions, who wasn't quite as impressive. And I'm not sure the Lions can run the ball without Amir Abdullah because Theo Riddick is purely a receiver. I think they want more out of their young offensive linemen. They drafted uh, Taylor Decker, who's their left tackle. They drafted Lake and Tomlinson in the first round. Neither one of those guys is playing particularly well right now. Matthew Stafford is overcoming it. He's he's. He's. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm worried about writing the Matthew Stafford has taken the leap column because it's been as impressive as any quarterback in the NFL. Because it <laughs> it feels like once I once you write it, it's all going to fall apart. But it's now going back 12 games or so to to one. Well, Cooter here's the number since week eight of last season when Cooter. By the way, just between us, mm-hmm. I like this Cooter. Good for you. Matt Stafford, 27 TDs, six picks since week eight. And in his last nine games, 24 touchdowns, three interceptions. Now, touchdowns and INTs doesn't tell the whole story. But he seems to be back to the guy that everyone is raving about as the guy that would be their guy undeniably for a decade plus. All right, then let me ask you a question. I, I totally think the Lions on offense, they're, they're interesting to watch. What, what, is your hope, what is anyone's hope level with this team? Why is this any different in the end, this Lions season, than any other? Just – General question. It just what feels like. Well, I just look at the Lions. Well, it's a much know. different team than it was three years ago. But if you mean that they're destined to not be a real contender, I would agree with you. Yes, that's I, my concern. But they I don't have a defense. They, they can flirt a with a playoff spot. I don't think they're like the a dead team walking. I, I think they could flirt. I don't with think nine they have wins. the defense for it. They're, they need to get Ansa back. Levy's out. They're thin. They're thin. But Stafford's makes them watchable. Who's getting assigned this game on Sunday? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Patrick game. It's his, his yeah. Detroit oh, Lions against the city he Listen, lives in. Good. And I feel for Patrick loves the Lions. Cheers to Patrick. Like I, I heard something Matthew Stafford said this week. <laughs> what? I, I, want, I would like to see it. one of these. It's, a, it's two cities that love their football, yeah. and they're just getting handed but I, you know, I year guess after I, year of nonsense. I just disagree. I think the Lions are at least interesting on they some are, level. The Bears well, are the, one, right. the team that's the, – uh, The problem is nothing. any game with the Bears in it, 
Yeah. Bears oh fans are falling out of love with that team. They're yeah. all on the Cubs now. I mean, Eric Eric Ebron is taking another step. He yeah. looks like a real weapon as a receiver. Marvin Jones looks like a number one receiver. If they had Golden Tate from two years ago, they'd be in good shape. But he has 88 yards this season. What is going on, on there? Targets. They're using him differently. He doesn't look as explosive. No, not at all. He's not as good after the catch. He's always around the line of scrimmage. He's not downfield. Was there an injury that we missed? Like what? Not that I know. It's that what you said. Though, they seem to be career. pegging him the ball right near, right near where the line is, and as opposed to getting him downfield, which he did great last year. Can you not have two of those guys? Here's a trivia question for you guys: What's Joe Lombardi doing right now? Hmm. Well, Stafford. And is he the worst offensive you coordinator you've ever seen? Do you know the answer? Uh, yes. What is it? He's the quarterback's coach for the Saints. I was going to say, Sean Payton probably took him back. Well, Stafford said something interesting this week. I thought, we're not doing as many. I just drop back 12 steps and try to throw the ball as far, as far as I can. And it was just basically a shot at Joe Lombardi. Well, I mean, come on. The guy, he can take a shot or two for what he did there. <laughs> uh, moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, I'm referring to Sydney. Thank you for clearing that up. Well, there's only one lady then. So who is the second lady? In this building, there are more than just one woman. There's someone else out there. Well, you're also speaking to the listener. Yes. And Many. Indy Sarah. Indy Sarah, one of our most loyal listeners. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Denver Broncos. 3-0. and Great win in week three at Cincinnati. Uh, Trevor Simeon looked great. And now they travel uh, to Tampa to face the Bucks. And, Greg, uh, the word is out. It's been told to your boy, Jameis Winston, uh, we're not going to be throwing so much because we don't think that works. Well, he's throwing so much in part because their defense is <laughs> lousy, and he's probably the best player on their team. Gerald McCoy's playing well, but they're, they're – Jameis Winston's the best player on the Bucks, Other than Gerald McCoy, yeah. What? Why not? Levante David, Mike Evans? Levante David at a – Poor season last year, relatively. I, I would take Jameis Winston over Levante David. My point is that I the bad like, defense, they are I, I will just say, I still do enjoy the Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Holy War between the scientists, even if it's sometimes below the radar. Well, look. Jameis, I always feel it. Frank likes around. to point out that Mariota is now one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL oh, and completely right glosses over all of the mistakes that Winston <laughs> has made this season. I think I called this one, Mark. Of course. Six interceptions, Greg. <laughs> right, but he's got eight touchdowns. He's sixth in the league in passing, by the way. Very close. Uh, a lot of garbage yardage. time stats there. Last, they're, They are dead last in I just want allowed. you to be fair. Well, I, I am I am fair. Mariota is one of the worst quarterback, but Winston's the best through, player on the Bucks. Through three Give games, me a break. Give me a break. There's no. There's <laughs> not a Why don't Winston's mistakes count? Of course they count, but he's oh, okay. making a lot of positive plays. It is plays no longer too. under the radar. And he's, and he's carrying no. their offense. But he's playing a team that's so much better than the Bucks in every way that it's not going to be very easy to do this week. Mark, how would you like to be assigned to this game, watching an afternoon game at Raymond James Stadium? Uh, I will pass on that. <laughs> um, whoever has the assignment, hope they enjoy themselves. Someone pointed out uh, my my friend uh, Shalin Patel, who I've referenced on the show, the big What's Bucks up, fan in Tampa, said we should notice on the schedule a lot of the Bucks home games are late games, so you don't have to deal with the sun nearly as much. Mm. That means a lot. <laughs> it does. It's a huge factor in terms of their watchability index. I'm just saying, we're coming off a game with Winston, 400 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He was not the problem. Mike Smith took over that defense to improve it from what from Lo- Lovey Smith doing, and right now they're dead last in the NFL in, in points allowed. They're struggling. Broncos are closing, by the way, really well this season, plus 32-point differential in the fourth quarter of games. Uh, so that's what you expect from good teams. They turn it on at the end. Uh, Denver 
listen, they look great. I mean, if they're going to – they're not going to get that Trevor Simeon every week, but – and maybe their defense isn't quite as good as last nice year. That nice little pocket movement Simeon has to buy some extra time. But I, I this race for the number one seed uh, with the Patriots is going to be real. When does Gary Kubiak start getting credit as one of the better coaches in the league? Good question. Mm. He, because it's like, oh, you're just a placeholder coach that just won the uh, Super Bowl and has the team operating at the same level going into this season. Well, Ireland. before he got to the Broncos, he gave Joe Flacco the best season of his career, too. He's he's a good offensive mind. I mean, they they went into Cincinnati choosing to completely give up on running, going into the game against the team that had been a terrible run defense, Cincinnati. They said, Simeon, let's throw it all day long. And you know what? It worked. John Elby looks great. I mean, the Simeon thing's working out just fine, and you still have a number one quarterback waiting in the wings. Said this after week one, and I still believe it. I'd rather have Trevor Simeon than Brock Osweiler. At that price tag, absolutely. At any price tag. Mm. Uh, Moving on, gentlemen, the Los Angeles Rams, the first place. Los Angeles Rams, who would have predicted that after that first Monday night game, uh, travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals. Cardinals got uh, really whooped in Orchard Park, a 33-18 loss. And it makes me think, uh, Mark, that the Rams, despite their back-to-back wins, are headed into a buzzsaw in Glendale. Well, it's not the – you don't. You would have liked to see Arizona take care of business in the Bills and maybe try to sneak up on them, uh, but that's not going to happen. And for me, the problem with the Rams, and I'll give them credit for what they did last week, last two weeks, but you still have the centerpiece of your offense, Todd Gurley, running at 2.9 yards per carry. Good defenses know that there isn't an easier team in the league to game plan for. And what they did well last week, and they're they're having Keenum throw the ball more than you'd think, and he actually found Tavon Austin downfield for some of the first times all season, threw a nice touchdown, also threw an awful interception, gave up a terrible sack where he should have thrown the ball away. Case Keenum is going to be Case Keenum week to week. You need Gurley to free up, get you yardage, and he is a hostage in that offense right now. Nothing's changed. It's the same story as last week. Didn't they score like 37 points? I, if, if you go watch it, I just don't buy into how it happened. It's not going to be a week-to-week thing. Again, they played an offense that we're talking about, the worst the defense in Tampa Bay that has got a lot of issues. This is a big game for the Cardinals. I know the Rams played them well in both games last year. and Beat them in Arizona, right? Beat them in Arizona. Robert Griffin is playing better – or Robert Quinn is playing better this year. This defense for the Rams is really getting after quarterbacks. And I don't know if the Cardinals are protecting Carson Palmer all that well. Not last week they didn't. Damashek ambled over um, to our – pod uh, of desks today and wondered why not more people weren't making a bigger deal out of Cardinals early struggles and Carson Palmer and I said it feels a little early but if the Rams go to Arizona this week and, and and beat up the Cardinals win a game and Palmer looks bad again I think Arizona fans have every reason to be very scared that the magic ran out there. I mean, yeah. it's still early, but one and three would be terrible. I've been asked about Palmer so far and I, I think it's too early to write him off as like a problem for the Cardinals. I don't think he's been that bad other than I don't either. And and he still had a, there was a drive right before halftime in week two that I thought Carson Palmer's back. Like he, his pocket movement was great. His toughness, he stuck in the pocket and made throws under pressure on the move. I I thought he was fine. And then to kind of have a stinker last week, I want to see what happens in this game before I weigh in on him. I know that you, that you called it a no show and you know, even to good teams that happens, but do you really feel that it's a no-show? Do you feel that yes. the, the real Cardinals are just going to show up and ride from here on out? 
I think they no showed in Buffalo, I, I, and it's not unusual for a West Coast team to come all the way across. That is true. Here's where I think the pre—I don't know if the preseason matters that much, but they talked. You know, they didn't play much in the preseason. When they did, they kind of stunk, and they said, "Well, we're going to get it solved." And there is a good article this week by Kent Summers, Bruce Arians say we know what our problems are, and he said that for five straight weeks. And there's been a malaise with this with this team in general, especially the offense, and they haven't been able to fix it yet. Doesn't mean they can't. Well, one of the beat writers calling for Michael Floyd to be benched for Jerome. Brown. Michael Floyd's been terrible for he's, three games. He's been one of John Brown is is only playing less than half the snaps yeah, so far. Which is, it's just strange what's happening with their wide receiver group. Uh, let's move on. Here's a game between the New Orleans Saints and the uh, San Diego Chargers. Chargers 1-2 and two could easily be 3-0 and oh if they just could close out a couple games, but that's not how football works. And here's a little interesting tidbit, uh, Chris Wessling. This was Drew Brees' first game back in San Diego since he left the team uh, revenge game? Narrative Street. I've already revenge? heard too much about this that this week. Uh, Matters, answer the question. Is Matters, it a revenge game, damn it? For whom? For Drew, Drew Brees. He wants revenge on the Chargers? It's, yeah, for, picking for sending Rivers. him to New Orleans to, to win a Super Bowl? Well, of course he does. No, they picked Philip Rivers over Drew Brees. It's worked out Ten pretty well. Ten years ago. Was it the right decision? <laughs> You really think if the NFL kicked you to the curb and you did much better somewhere else when you went back there for this first time, you wouldn't be peacocking around? Of course he wants to bury Bad analogy. Did the Chargers make that the That is revisionist decision. history. Drew Brees had an awful season, terrible season, got benched. That's why That's why they drafted Phillip Rivers. They had every right to draft Phillip Rivers because Drew Brees was terrible that yeah. year, and it was early in Drew Brees' career before he was established as a franchise quarterback. Nobody knew, obviously, he was going to be the Drew Brees. If they could do it again, now. would they do it, knowing what they know now? If they knew what they know now, they would They would have kept Drew Brees. Hmm. Anyway, it's just a fun little thing. It's not the, the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, it's sort of like a ma- manufactured controversy. But Chris loves these narratives, and whenever we can point one his way, I say we should. I wouldn't even call it a narrative. It's just he's playing for the first time in San Diego. What, what happens when That's the it. Chargers offense faces the Saints defense? Will, the, will there be any healthy players by the end of the game? Yeah, it's ugly. God, I want to see what the Saints look like on the road after they look so horrendous at home. They, their defense God. somehow only gave up nine points to the Giants the last time they were on the road, the Giants' offense. That, that, fe- that feels like a million years ago. I mean, it just seems like every game they have to go ago. in. Start all the Chargers, I know. fantasy I know. people. But start all the Chargers. On the shine is off after what happened on, on Monday night. But but the Chargers without Antonio Gates, uh, they certainly have their share of problems in general. I, I, I don't know if any game is a, a sure game for them in that defense right now. Could we'll the see. four they of us. They might be without Brandon Flowers in this game, too. Wh- what if the four of us in Sydney and we just Could got another. Make flowers today? Another five or six, you know, humans from around the office, just sort of people that work in cubes. Could we score a field goal or a touchdown on the Saints defense? No. That's ridiculous. Who would play quarterback? In four for quarters? Yeah, we'd have four no. quarters to play. I don't no. even think we actually, wouldn't get positive yards. We could have endless. Wouldn't come we'd have endless. We could have a roster of like 300 people because people would constantly be getting hurt. Obviously, right. you know, w- you know, right. secretaries. I'll be in the hospital. I think admins. we would be stifled. I think we'd be held to about 17 points. I see a little more in us. 17 points. <laughs> we wouldn't get a yard. Yeah, I, I honestly think we wouldn't get a. Oh, you got a yard. You shotgun that ball back. Chris Wesseling throws it to someone streaking downfield one yard. Couple My yards, arm is no shot. Did you guys watch? Did you guys watch Monday night's game? We're gonna get some yardage. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Good scouting. You're going to tear your hamstring before the opening bell. <laughs> Listen, we're going to get some points. Yeah, it says the group of guys where, like, no one stayed healthy through it. Oh, you mean awesome. the group of champions? Yeah, that's, that's a good saying. point. Champions, champs, and 
We came in third place in trivia night in the going away <laughs> Irishman there you go. Uh, bar excursion yesterday. Not just any trivia. The garage in Palms, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, the hardest trivia I've ever been a part of. It's a very good trivia. The most game. challenging as far as all the nerds in one place. Come on. Chargers and Saints fans have gotten their money's worth. There's nothing. There's no bit of information that we didn't uncover during this preview. All right. Well, then we should just move on then and talk about the Dallas Cowboys uh, now two and one. But, you know, more Dez drama. It's always going to be a part of the Dez story. There's always going to be something cooking. And this time it's about a knee injury. Uh, He suffered it uh, in in the win last week. Uh, Skipped the MRI that the team wanted him to get when he eventually did get the knee tested. It revealed a hairline fracture. And initially, the belief was that, oh, he could play through it. But now it's starting to sound like he's going to miss time. So not only is there some kind of maybe some bad uh, blood between the two sides over the situation, no Dez. How much is that going to hurt the Cowboys, uh, Mark Sessler? It doesn't help at all. But if you want to talk about a week where you had to not have Dez Bryant, and it might be multiple weeks, but if you want to start that experiment off, I would pick the San Francisco 49ers who have given up, what, 83 points in two weeks after shutting down the Rams in week one. So I realize that it's in San Francisco. Maybe that changes things a little bit. But I look up and down the Dallas roster, especially on offense, and say there aren't many players in San Francisco that you take over what Dallas offers. Dallas is better starters all over the place, all over the field. Dak Prescott has been – I think Dak Prescott's been overshadowed by what Carson Wentz has done. If the Carson Wentz were on the field and you had Sam Bradford in there, Dak Prescott would be getting a million stories, a million headlines. He's been fantastic for a young quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, broke out of his shell last week, played some, played some excellent football on the ground. And I think this is a game that Dallas, unless they make a bunch of mistakes, there's no excuses not to win this game. He doesn't have Des Bryant. Dak doesn't. But he does have his number one receiver, Cole Beasley. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's just, got Jason Witten, too. He looks to Cole Beasley when he's in trouble, not to Des Bryant. This is a, a Cowboys team, though. I, I don't think you can underrate Des being out of there. I know it's the 49ers, and you're right. If you were drawing up a schedule, what cream puffs can we play? You would take the Bears at home and then the 49ers on the road. It's as easy as it gets, and yet that's just not how the NFL works. He's still a rookie quarterback going against the defense with with some quality veterans, with some good-looking rookies on the defensive line. They haven't played well, but they, they had one game. at home. The one game they played at home, they played well together. Like It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're winning this game 16-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Well, what concerns me is you look at Carlos Hyde, and the box score tells you at 100-plus yards, it came in garbage time. He didn't do much until the game really was out of hand in San Francisco. You know, that's they've, they're piling up stats when it doesn't matter. And they have the worst quarterback in the league right now. I think Gabbert's playing worse than anyone else. I mean, I think we could see Colin Kaepernick in this game at some point. They, I thought that was going to happen last week. Do they have one of the worst coaches in the league? Look at what the Eagles are doing with the same defensive personnel that Genius? Chip Kelly had. Well, he I don't think he gets as too involved in the defense. Well, you know that his offense forces the defense. That, get, that's right. Defensive players under Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. In week one, endlessly. they're up 21 to nothing on the Rams and still running plays with 25 seconds left on the clock. This is Chip Kelly's M.O. I have a prediction. I have a Sessler, I'll even say, about this game. Carson Wentz is the favorite in the Offensive Rookie of the Year battle. Ezekiel Elliott's going to go nuts in this game. Coming off that game last week where he started to really get his swag going, he's going to go off, buck 80, three touchdowns, blowout win for the Cowboys, and people are going nuts. That would help my sandwich prop. Which was? Ezekiel Elliott, and Greg has the field. 
I think you might have the field too. I might have taken the field. I think I think in those those are mostly just false award races. I don't put much stock in any of that. But uh, I would say this: that if you're a quarterback that has an outstanding season, good luck to anyone else. They're real awards. They are real awards. They're real things that get handed out. I don't. I, I'm just That's saying true. some of them are a little ridiculous. At this ridiculous. point, if Carson Wentz stays healthy, he, it. It'd be hard for me to imagine he wouldn't win it. Over well, he's got to – unless Zeke goes nuts. He's got to play well, Greg. It's only three games. Yeah. No. I mean, we're talking if things continue apace from here. Not, oh, like we've it, never seen it, a rookie quarterback right, go if, through stretch. That's, that's, that is fair, West. This you know, is the so. same league that gave Sam Bradford the rookie of the year when he had six yards per attempt. If that's because there was no competition that year. That's because yeah. Pat Shermer was spinning magic, pure magic, dark magic. But what about this Mariota versus Winston thing? <laughs> I just want to see some fair play. I didn't please even, not I dive back into that. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking. I will beg you not to dive back into that. Take it offline. Go get a sandwich together somewhere. Um, let's move on to the primetime games. Sunday night football. Thank God. No Bears involved this week. And we got a real good AFC game. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, now 2-1 and one coming off that win against the Jets where they turned the ball over, uh, I think, eight times uh, in the win. Travel to Pittsburgh again to face the Steelers who really got beaten in all phases uh, uh, by Carson Wentz and the Eagles uh, on the road. So now they return home, and you would think they're going to be angry and they're going to be pissed off. But Greg, or Wes, I should say, the Chiefs need some respect. Let's give them some respect. They're going to hang in this game, aren't they? Of course they're going to hang. And, you know, you, you talk about the Drew Brees revenge game, but do not underestimate the Todd Haley revenge game here. Mm. Oh, I like dumped him. And now he's proven to be one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. I'm really looking forward to Marcus Peters, who won defensive player of the week. Big Ben and Mike Tomlin raved about him Wednesday, saying he's a phenomenal player, tremendous talent. He's allowed a 39 passer rating this year. There's this perception that Marcus Peters gives up too many plays, which is wrong. Since since the bye week of his rookie season, he is in the top five and lowest completion percentage and lowest passer rating. And he has led the NFL in passes defense and interceptions since he, since he stepped foot in the NFL. Marcus Peters, a legitimate star. Somebody who could actually take on Antonio Brown for real one-on-one. Well, on one. I'd love it, to see that. Let's not get too excited about that. I want it, Wes. I'm wrote, excited and I want it. Wrote an article before I left last night. You can check it out. I was going to say. Ben talking about Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters plays in the left side of the field, and he doesn't travel like Patrick Peterson. He's allowed to peek in the backfield because he's got help coming his way. Antonio Brown mostly stays on the right side of the field, so I would not expect oh. to see. Like sometimes, every now and then, they, they, might, they might be matched up on occasion. I want them watch out all the no, time. No, this is the year of everyone discussing the cornerback wide receiver matchup and who's going to play on what side of the field and who travels every single week. Well, I want them to play against each other. Can I tell you something that can make you feel a little bit better? Yes. Please. Marcus Peters is worth watching no matter who he's covering. Yeah. Antonio Brown is worth watching no matter who's covering him. Plus, there's some the same. some other dynamic players on the uh, Steelers. We're getting Le'Veon Bell back. Get Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, he doesn't get suspended by the time. Maybe Marcus Wheaton play. won't drop three passes or, you know, Marcus Peters on Sammy Coates deep down the field. They 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 probably won't be with Eli Rogers this week, which which hurt, which surprisingly which, hurts them a lot. I, don't I know. guess Wheaton goes to the slot. Yeah, most likely Wheaton plays in the slot. Sammy Coates is good for one 40-yard reception a week because Ben Ben is easily the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Agree with that. And facing off a guy, Alex Smith, who doesn't go deep too much, 
but it's going to be extremely hard to sack. The Steelers might have the worst pass rush of any team in the league. I think the Eagles showed it last week. Carson Wentz had all day to throw. It's a, I think it's a major problem for this, this Steelers team for the rest of the season. They, they, they don't have any pass rush. You're not going to get to Alex Smith. He'll, he'll move the ball up and down. Their best pass rush is 38 years old. Football Outsiders had them as the number two team so far. The Chiefs, surprisingly. Do we have any uh, concerns? We love Big Ben in this room, but he's been a little sloppy with the ball. It's been a, a while now. His numbers uh, aren't that great when you stretch back the last seven or eight games now. I have zero concerns about Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about teams like the Cardinals and you know other quarterbacks not worrying about the, the ugly start so far, they'll get back on track. I just always feel that way about Big Ben because he's done it a decade plus. Also 10-0 and following a loss uh, for the Steelers the last 10 games with Ben at quarterback. That, that game was weird in Philadelphia. They, blew, they didn't have the ball that much, not many possessions. A couple drives ended ugly. I don't think Roethlisberger played poorly to start. He hasn't been on fire. He's made a lot of plays, but he hasn't been playing bad. Well, I think like we've talked about, not having Martavis Bryant in there is a dimension of their offense that got stripped away. You didn't have Le'Veon Bell. He is an excellent pass catcher as well. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's move on. Are you dead inside? Ready to give up? Say, you think there's a dinner somewhere in that dumpster? Here's a better solution. Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague. The Netherlands? Follow the teachings of the godlike Mr. Flame, and soon you'll have your financial house in order and maybe convince your father you're still worthy of his love. Enroll at flameclass.com today. This is for dumpster diving bums to enroll in his economics? If you're in a bad spot in life, if things have gotten real rough. Sure, Mr. Flame appreciates you sending that sort of company his way. A derelict? (laughs) Most schools, Dan, and I know this may not – Perhaps you don't remember this. There is yeah. a class limit. You can't just send people from around the world. Anyone <laughs> down on your luck, go to Mr. Flame's class in the Hague. You got 180 people packed into a That's it, fire. That's a fire issue. That's I'm not being good. We're good yeah. doing our job. We're bringing him too much business. That's his. Deal. And also, I'm just. He might have to open another classroom. I'm just reading the text body. I didn't. I, okay, I didn't write right. it. I have nothing. I have Who's nothing your copywriter? I I just whatever was handed to me when I walked in. That's so what I clearly use. not someone from the NFL sales department that has no concept well, of the show of exists. No way are they involved with this. Haven't heard anything either yet. Never will. Okay. Are they selling anything? We don't need it. We're out, we're out of the sales business. We got oh, our okay. sponsor. Uh, moving on, Monday night football, ladies and gentlemen. A battle between the New York Giants and Minnesota Vikings. Ooh, saucy. The Giants, they should be 3-0. and They're kicking themselves because they made every stupid mistake in the book in letting one get away against the Redskins. Uh, a Now 2-1, and and now they travel and face the Vikings, a team of ATL finalists. Team of ATL. And I'll tell you what, Mark. I know you're nervous. You, you don't want the tide to turn against the Vikings, or perhaps you, you have near, nerves that there's already a, a, a tide against the Vikings and this isn't going to work out. But you know what? You get to 4-0 and and you take it to the Giants, who we all like on both sides of the ball, you got a real good case. Not even slightly nervous. Really? Even if they go 3-1, and one, and then if they went 3-7, and seven, I'm still yes. excited about my decision. Right, but we're talking about the team of ATL. Team! Fascinating matchup. I mean, we've seen what the Giants have done through the air, and actually they've ran the ball well. I think losing Shane Vereen doesn't help. He's out this week, correct? He's out for the season. We don't know if Rashad Jennings is going to be back this week. They were using two lanes on Orleans Darkwa last week. Uh Uh-oh. 
Get some, a, get some Bobby Rainey out there. Bobby Rainey made a play for them. I don't feel good about this game if you're a Giants. If you're a Giants fan, I just don't see this team moving the ball enough. I know they got good wide receivers, but I think if you look at the defenses that New York has played so far this year, it has been Cupcake City. I think their offensive line and their pass protection for Eli has looked better than it really is because of the matchups uh, that they've played. They've played New Orleans, Dallas, and Washington. Find three defenses that are softer than that. And now you got to go play the the Vikings. I know they've only scored three offensive touchdowns this season. I don't care. That's why it's my lock of the week. Whoa. <laughs> You're locking it up. I'm locking it up. That and I forgot about the lock of the week until we got to the last oh, that's a, this is a lodge. This is a good way to go with the lock of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Can we it. isolate that absolutely for future use, uh, Sid? Can we play that a thousand times in a row at the end of the show, please? Yeah, sure thing. Brace yourself, Dan. Brace what? yourself. What? I really like this Giants team. Mm. You know, I love when you give New York teams love. Well, I don't I don't like to do it because they get so much love from 99% of the population right. already, especially the media, which is so effusive in praise and coverage of New York. <laughs> right. But, you know, the Bermuda Triangle what, what do you theory, like? you know, it gets well, a little look, old. Let's, let's focus on the actual good team. Mark has talked about the receivers, which are the most productive in the NFL. And it's no coincidence that 2014 draft, Dave Gettleman says, look, you can take all these other receivers. Odell Beckham's the only NFL route runner in the draft. They take the best NFL route runner in 2014. Then they take Sterling Shepard, the best route runner by far in this draft class. Yeah, and it's awesome. no it's no coincidence that these, this, these guys are on fire. Immediate return. The route that Sterling Shepard put on Deshaun Phillips for that touchdown last week where he faked one way and went the other, just lost him right off the line of scrimmage. These guys, I think, can get open on anyone. It makes you wonder why more people don't, when they're scouting in the draft, uh, value that more, the ability to play the position that way rather than just depend on the raw skill. I think some teams are looking for – they want big monster receivers or they want certain speed necessarily. Well, you but can't – when you look at the draft class, there's no way you can look at Corey Coleman and say, hey, I don't want his playmaking ability, even if Sterling Sharp's a, or Sterling Shepard's a better route runner. Where's Laquan Treadwell, by the way? Because he was – Inactive. He was Very taken before start. Sterling Shepard, and he's not even on the grid. He's, he's literally inactive last week, a healthy scratch. And We heard bad things about him in, in – August about maybe this progress wasn't going too well. I mean, that that seems like quite a whiff so well, far. Well, you look at Dotson and Washington. You know what the weird – I mean, they could use Laquan Treadwell, so I, that, that's not true. But they are getting enough production out of their receivers. They've got a number one receiver in Stephon Diggs. Kyle Rudolph, it's three games, but he's playing like a, a very good starting tight end, like a Pro Bowl type of tight end. Adam Thielen, if you watch him, I mean, he looks like a pretty good – rotational receiver. Maybe they could use one more. I'm just amazed by a team where Sam Bradford is managing to win some games with no offensive line and no running game. What did you We're, guys think the of? The worst running game in the in the NFL, pretty much, on pay, uh, in terms of the numbers. So I'd say you're down on Jarek McKinnon then. Here's a different way, a little to, better last here's a way, different way to look at Laquan Treadwell, that Mike Zimmer comes from a Bengals organization that rarely rush rookies in. And now he does the same thing in, in Minnesota. So give him credit for not putting players in before yeah. they're ready. Trey Wayne's playing better than expected this year because he's finally ready after sitting last year. I guess the, the biggest concern for the Vikings entering week four is that despite being 3-0, and they just have three touchdowns on offense the entire season. That they're going to have concern. to score 
more points, where are the points coming from when their first round picks not giving them anything and they don't and AP is well, gone, where are the points coming from? All I would say is and th- this may not be the reason, but your starting quarterback joined the team days before the season began and has played way better than anybody would have expected. Right. I mean, I got to ask what happens like when Teddy Bridgewater's healthy to be honest, if Sam Well, we Bradford don't even know if he'll ever be right. we don't know if he'll right. ever be himself but, again. Sam Bradford won't be healthy either, though, the way the line's playing. I think it's been probably underplayed because they're 3-0. and They've been a disaster. They, Mike Zimmer uh, made a lot of noise this offseason. We weren't tough on the offensive line. The rest of the team is tough. We weren't tough. So they signed Alex Boone. They've signed Andre Smith. They've both struggled. They haven't been able to run the ball. Andre Smith especially has, has played really poorly. That's a problem. I don't, I don't know if they overcome that. The Giants, you would think, would be able to take advantage, and yet the one, it, they're a weird team because the one part that's a little disappointing with the Giants is their pass rush. It is. They don't really have a pass rush yet. You're a big JPP guy. He's been okay. He's been the best one rushing the passer of all those guys, but he hasn't been great either. I, I'd like to see more. Um, on the Giants' pass rush, or the Giants' offensive line has been great. Eli only hit seven times the entire season. So A lot of that's Eli, too. I like, uh, I like the Giants in this game. I like the Giants getting to three and one, and the Vikings losing their first game of the year. Uh, Wes, where do you come down on this? I agree with you, Mark. You're going to go four and zero Vikings. Well, I can't pick the Giants in the situation <laughs> I'm tangled up in right now. So, but I do think the Vikings will win. Also, my lock of the week will be that I lock it up. I will uh, ever pick a lock of the week. Wow. wow! He is so against the segment. I have to uh, admire your resilience. You really dug it. Why? In. Why don't you want to be a part of the segment? You should answer I, that. I think that we like ninety nine percent of our segments are fun and cool and interesting and add a lot to the show. And this adds like nothing and takes away from it. <laughs> All right, Chris Wesson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, gather the family around the fire, listeners. It's just more and more fun. I mean, you asked the question. I gave you an yeah, idea. I, I think Wes is. It's a ridiculous answer. It doesn't make I, sense. I think There's Wes no logic to your answer. None of the none of the locks that were given were locks. Like the Jets is a in wish your mind. Cast. The Browns is a wish cast. <laughs> By the way, Greg just likes the Vikings at home. By the way, it's in your mind. I, Josh Gordon, it's our lock of the week, not yours. Josh Gordon, that's what it means. I know, but we never pick locks. We're like, oh, these games aren't allowed because they're too much lock. You want so a little, let's pick some games that are not yes, locked. You want a little fodder to Wes's argument. Yeah. Josh Gordon, uh, the Browns have announced that Josh Gordon has uh, entered inpatient rehab and will not be returning anytime soon, potentially. What does that have to do with Wes's comment? That I am <laughs> wish-casting Browns victories completely he, at this point. He's going back into rehab. Yeah, it's all over. It doesn't really impact this week's game. but I, It impacts my uh, – That was more breaking it, news it, for Mark Sesson. Yeah. That's what that was. Well, there's like 87 people talking at the same time. How do you get it done? But, like, I mean, it impacts my mental health going into uh, two days off. See well, you on Sunday. Wes, it's called being a team player. Why are you throwing up uh, a fit on this? You should join us. Have well, it's not, it's not a fit. You asked me a question, so I answered it. I told the truth is what happened. But I wasn't involved in the meetings where it was decided that this lock was. <laughs> so who's being a team player when I wasn't even involved in the discussion? Do you want to come in earlier to be involved with the meeting? Well, I think you could text me or something. Well, we have a right. we have a dial in phone device. You could dial in like while he's walking Just, around the beach. We got to add it to the list. We got to make make sure everybody's happy. We're gonna work on this lock of the week with Wes, and we will let everyone know where it goes uh, from here. But the next time you hear from us, by the way, there's no way Wes does a lock of the week now. Now that we went down this road, that's my lock of the week. Wes will never do a lock of the week. So you just agree with my yes. lock of the week as your lock of the week. My lock of the week is you will not change your mind on this. My lock of the week. I already told you I wasn't going to. <laughs> my that lock was the lock week. it up. 
My lock of the week is the lock of the week will no longer exist in a few weeks. Lock it up. <laughs> well, you've now under- it's getting good. I no, like now you've segment. underestimated me because I'll never let it die. Lock that up. Now this segment's getting good. I love it. Keep lock of the week. I also lock up that Greg will kill a segment every week until he leaves the NFL media. Lock it up. What You're not I the boss to- anymore, buddy. What did I have to do with it? That's it. Listen. That's it. That's it. I am stunned by the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to this show? The next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Can we keep that? Lock it up. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night, we'll recap all of the Sunday games and, of course, that Sunday night football game between the Chiefs and Steelers. So make sure you check that out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, and make sure you check out the iTunes. Leave comments. Leave five-star ratings. Support the show and support Mr. Flame until Sunday. <laughs> Mr. Flame's got to be flying. Oh, he's on the oh, yeah. He got way more promotion than he ever expected. You know. Uh, Until Sunday, this is Dan Hansen signing off for the quiet storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you